you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by AARP. DJ Bucky with you. Uh, in different countries, Buck, but uh, man, we've been busy. You've been doing your thing over there in England, uh, did a great job with the pod with Rhett. I went down and spent some time at the MLB uh, winter meetings to talk to some folks down there, but uh, man, this is a fun time of year, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, DJ. I can't wait to hear the conversations uh, and what you kind of gain from your discussions with all the, the, the baseball people. I'm just really fascinated by the crossover, the translations, and just any of the common traits uh, when it comes to the scouting philosophies or just the execution of evaluating personnel in both games. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. I, I wish you were around. You would have loved it. Um, the, the, the fun part for me was not just, I mean, we talked about eight to 10 different folks and, and we're actually a little bit uh, later here. Uh, we're going to roll a couple small sound bites. So you can hear a couple of the conversations with it uh, that I had down there. Um, but my favorite part, Buck, was walking down in the lobby and people uh, 
like kind of semi recognize you, but they can't figure out who you are or why you would be at a baseball winter meetings and so it's like the look on their face is like somebody trying to put together a crossword puzzle and they can't quite figure it out uh it was it was hilarious yeah i can i can see that but you know there's a lot of crossover appeal right um we like other sports we have other teams that we like i'm sure baseball executives have football teams that they like and so you kind of have like a, a surface knowledge of somebody but sometimes not until you meet yeah. them face to face do you like oh i know who you are <laughs> it's so true man it's so true and there are uh, there were actually uh, some move the six podcast fans there so we got a chance to, to take a couple pictures with some folks there um that uh, were curious what we were doing there but uh it was it was really neat to talk to a lot of the people there and the baseball community it's uh uh it's a lot of football fans to be honest with you and talking with these guys it, we would have the conversation you know 10 to 12 minute conversations which we're going to put into an episode here in the future in the near future um and then afterwards man sometimes buck you know how it is when we've done these before with coaches the conversation after we stop recording we went for another 20 minutes you know just talking about scouting and the difference between the sports and how they handle it and um it was cool it it was a lot of fun and we are going to play a couple clips here in just a second uh so you can get an idea of what went on there Uh, other things we're going to hit on today's episode uh troy aikman talking about potentially wanting to go the general manager route we've seen it with john lynch obviously the niners having a bunch of success ozzy newsome uh you know hall of fame player really has been a hall of fame executive who uh who recently uh, decided to hand the reins over to eric DaCosta. but we've seen some guys go that route and be wildly successful matt millen uh didn't go as well but we'll kick around the whole former player uh gm situation there with troy aikman looking at the senior bowl um, those uh, those rosters are going to be revealed next Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be doing a show. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Jim Nagy's going to come join us in the studio. We're going to reveal the rosters for the Senior Bowl. So we'll talk about last year's group and, and how they're doing, uh, highlighted by Drew Locke in a conversation that you had with Drew Locke last year uh, before the Senior Bowl. And then the other topic I kind of just threw in here at the last minute, Buck, is a fascinating one, which is Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who's really emerged with the 49ers, obviously came over from New England. And I think if people go back in time, they might forget this, Buck, but during that time, there was some chatter of whether or not they should trade Tom Brady instead of Jimmy Garoppolo with an eye towards the future. So we could kind of do that uh, it's a wonderful life thing where we could kind of change the past and see what the future would look like. You know, that would be um, – that's going to be fun. Like, yeah, I can't wait to talk about that because I do wonder how the narratives change – now that we've kind of seen uh, Jimmy Garoppolo have success and Tom Brady seemingly fall off. Yeah, no, it, it's, a, it's a topic that I think we'll have some fun digging into here uh, in just a minute. We're also going to answer a couple fan questions that we've got on uh, Apple Podcasts. Again, if you have any questions for us, just uh, just log on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a little review on there, a little rating, and if you drop a question in there, we do our best to answer them each and every week. So uh, that's the way you can uh, you can get our attention. All right, Buck, I want to give everybody just a little taste of of some of the folks I was able to talk to uh, at these MLB winter meetings and how it was just fascinating to me on the scouting side of things, uh, some of the topics. The first one, the first little bite I'm going to play here is is a conversation with Dan O'Dowd, 
who uh, was a longtime general manager of the Colorado Rockies, 15-plus years there, which is an eternity, um, running that organization. And, and I was talking to him because baseball is, seems to be obviously more of a stat-driven sport, and you can scout guys off paper, but there's still something about going to see these players live and in action. And I asked him what that experience was like and what the value he gained in seeing a player play live. I talked to Steve Young one time about quarterbacks and toughest position for us to evaluate and I asked for his you know give me the one thing and he said it's coming into the huddle and just having that over my dead body are we going to lose this football game type of competitiveness how do you identify that in a baseball player I think you got to watch and play a lot you know I think there's wisdom and knowledge in our game I think knowledge is something you can learn in a book but wisdom is watching players play over a long period of time making good decisions making bad decisions I get to a, a park you know, as my career matriculated I watch the kid get off the bus I watch how he walked with his bag. I watch how he put his bag down. I watch how he did his warm-up routine. I watch how he played his long toss. I watch how he interacted with his teammates every bit of the way. And then I hoped in that game he did something that absolutely stunk. Like he missed a play or he struck out in a key situation. Because that would provide insight for me into what, that, what his mental toughness to grind through adversity was all about. Buck, I, I mean, how great is that? Uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, man, I, th I think it's very, very similar to what we always talk about, DJ. Um, I think for me, I, I actually want to see the quarterback or the player that I'm playing have to go through some adversity. I actually prefer players that have been scuffed up a little bit. I would like to go to a game and see a big game and see what happens if Joe Burrow throws a pick six on the first play of the game. How does that affect him and, and the way that he responds does he kind of curl up turtle up and uh not play with as much courage and conviction as he has in the past or does he just kind of hey man that was one play i'm going right back and i'm gonna continue to attack uh i do believe all those things matter i think the big thing when he's talking about body language i think body language is key um how you walk around how you show up in pregame how you attack pregame how you interact with your teammates I think all of those things matter. And so I like to get to games early to see that because it does give me a little a little feel for who you are and who you may be at the next level. Yeah, I thought what he said, and I, and I wrote it down, was you know the difference between knowledge and wisdom from a scouting standpoint. Knowledge is you know basically what's on paper. Having the information um, gives you the knowledge, and you need to do that as a as a scout. You need to get go out and get the information. Let's learn about you know what do the numbers look like? What are the workout numbers? What are the uh, uh, what are the missed game numbers? You know all that stuff you can kind of learn on paper, but wisdom is gained from being around the person. And that's something that I think in scouting, you're always going to have a need to get out and see these guys up close and personal. Yeah, I absolutely believe you got to see them up close. You got to get a feel for them. Uh, I got to get a feel for their presence. Uh, I think that's one thing that um, we don't talk enough about in the scouting business, how important it is to be around them to get a feel for who they are and who they will be at the next level. And no doubt. And the other thing I, I thought, the other nugget, the takeaway there was mental toughness, you know, just, and you touched on it, Buck, how do you, how do you overcome adversity? But, um, you know, I, I think so many times we just lump toughness in together and, you know, in, in, in the report, you'll have that box that says toughness. And most times you'll put some things about, you know, the physical toughness. I think they need to be separated. I think there's, you know, I need to have a, a line in the report about the mental toughness and a line in the report about the physical toughness. Yeah, 
I think I think both things matter. Um, we've talked to so many coaches, and the common theme that we've heard this entire season from our coaches, whether they're in college or basketball, Tom Cream, Matt Rule, uh, even over my toughness matters, and your guys have to be tough, and they got to be mentally tough. They have to be able to withstand and endure. They have to have mental stamina to deal with the adversity. And then the physical toughness is like, look, you're going to have to play through some bumps and bruises to get to the other side. How do you handle all of that and still put yourself in a position where you still play at a high level? No doubt. Um, I want to get you one more soundbite here. And again, I had a chance in this visit to talk to Don Mattingly. Um, I had a chance to talk to a couple other general managers, um, talking to a guy, Mark DeRosa, who played for a long time, was also a college quarterback at Penn. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun, and and one of those conversations was with Cubs general manager Jed Hoyer, um, and had a little fun talking about outliers. Uh, here's a, a little a little glimpse of the conversation with the Cubs general manager. Russell Wilson comes out into the draft. I have some baseball background there as well, but he's an outlier, right? I mean, I remember being in the meetings before the Senior Bowl. We assumed he was going to be right around six foot, maybe a little under six foot. He checks in at five ten and three eighths at the Senior Bowl. I'm in Philadelphia. We end up dropping him down. We still think we're going to get him in the third round, and we yep. end up not getting him. Seattle takes him. But somebody like an Altuve or throw out whoever else you want that's an outlier, in the meetings when you guys are going through these players, what's that discussion like? <laughs> you ask a guy that uh, we, we, we uh, drafted Dustin Pedroia in the second round, and you had the best college numbers you know, by far. I think today, if you had those same numbers, he'd probably go in the top five. But, but back then, it was, you know, this guy's tiny, he doesn't have a great body, and somehow he just gets hits unconventionally. Um, it's one of the beauties of baseball. Actually, I was thinking this. One of our scouts used to call him a wedding cake model, which I thought was a, which I thought was a, <laughs> that was a great line. But um, that's one of the things I love about baseball is that, you know, I think I, you, know, you watch NFL games, and, um, you know, those guys are just absolute physical freaks, you know, and, and um, it's, it's obviously fun to watch. I think one of the things with baseball is that it's a different kind of athleticism. You get incredible hand-eye coordination. So you watch the Astros, you know, Bregman's not a super physical guy. Altuve's really, you know, really small. You go around the league, you can have, you know, Mookie Betts is, is, is a pretty slender guy. Uh, you can have tremendous power um, if you're like, you know, great hands, great forearms, you know, really good bat speed. And and you have a, a swing that you know gives you the right launch angle. These guys can hit a lot of home runs without being, you know, tremendously physical. Now you obviously got your stands and your judges and Chris Bryant's and guys like that that are big yeah. and physical. But it's a sport where, you know, guys can perform and guy, and guys can have uh, a lot of success without necessarily um, being at the you know tip of the spear athletic, athletically in terms of you know body size and body composition. And I think that's great. You know, it, it's. Um, I think it's a sport where you know part of the allure is you can watch the game on TV and you can imagine yourself doing it. You know, and whereas I, I feel like when you watch a football game now or an NBA game, you know, it's just a different world. And and I think that um, their scouts are looking at a lot of different things. And and, and the measurables are so important. I think in baseball, um, just having you know crazy lead hand eye coordination still makes a big difference. What do you think, there, Buck? No, I, I think there is something to the outliers. I, I also think this, DJ, I think sometimes um, when we st- scout and if we just took our pen and pad and we just wrote the jersey number down, but we didn't look up the dimensions and the measurables and we just evaluated people mm-hmm. on how they play, I think a lot of times on draft day, 
we would see a different pecking order. Because if we just stick to the premise of, hey, man, best players play, let's look at the best football players, the guys that put it on the screen, uh, we would see a shift in order. So much of what drafting and scouting has always been has been, you know, you talked about the wedding cake model. Uh, you talked about the beauty pageant. Which is a great line, like. by the way. Yeah, no, nah, because that, that's what it is. Like, everyone wants to buy a beautiful guy, but we have all been around and seen there are guys that play in this league that are not um, the, 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 bet, the best built. They're not the most in shape. They may be a little under what our desired uh, physical traits are, but they play the game. And I think at some point, I think what we're learning, even with these quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks that are playing, who plays the game really well, and how can you envision them playing at the next level? if everything was put in place for them to succeed. Yep. No, it, it's uh, it's so true. And the uh, the line I thought was interesting there about Pedroia, he said they'd got Pedroia in the second round. You know, the numbers, everything just jumped out at you. He said, and now he would be a top five pick because he was kind of one of those guys that opened the door um, for these smaller players. And I think Russell Wilson, we talk about it all the time. I mean, that just opened the floodgates. That opened opportunities for the Baker Mayfields and the uh, the Kyler Murrays. And then I think you're seeing this next wave now of, uh, you know, non-traditional style. So you go Lamar Jackson. You know, okay, some of the, some of the throwing, the, uh, you know, some of the misses, the completion percentage, they put that to the side because this guy was a dominant football player and it's and it's proving the Baltimore Ravens to be very smart and that's going to open doors for other quarterbacks uh, you know with outstanding athleticism that are still a work in progress as passers um, it, the the benefit is being the first one to take the risk to take the chance to take the Dustin Pedroias mm-hmm. to take the Russell Wilsons that's that's where the courage lies and that's where the big time payout lies absolutely you have to have the courage to bet on the player and you have to be willing to stand up in it when everyone tells you you're crazy or you're wrong or how could you do it um it comes down to the trust in the player and investing in the player i think the other thing that is a common denominator that people won't talk about is uh the sports specific character in football we talk about the football character and baseball would be baseball character in terms of their work ethic their passion for the game uh, what makes them tick in terms of their intangible qualities, their leadership ability, and how they kind of fit into the fabric of the locker room. I think that matters more now than it ever has, um, really getting it right on the people. You know, we can look at the talent, but what is the person like? Because there's some people that you talk about with quarterbacks, not over my dead body. There's certain people that yeah. have that um, intestinal fortitude that they will will themselves to be uh, a top level player, even though their physical traits and all that other stuff suggested it shouldn't be that. There was one conversation, and again, be on the lookout. We're going to package this up in kind of a unique way so you can hear a lot of these conversations. And it's not, I know a lot of people kind of, what the heck are you doing at the winter meetings? Well, trust me, as you got a little glimpse there, it does cross over. But, Buck, I was having a conversation with somebody there off camera, we, not somebody that I talked to on camera, but somebody that had played. Uh, a long time in the major leagues and and spent some time with the New York Yankees and he said we were talking about you know intangibles and leadership and these and these types of things and he said you know it's funny um, you know playing on other teams you know all of us would always talk about Derek Jeter is this is the most overrated player in major league baseball he's not you know he's he's got this unbelievable reputation as this you know hall of fame all-time great player and like he's not that good 
And then he goes, then mm-hmm. I get I get traded or signed with the New York Yankees. And he said, after being around that club, you know, for a couple weeks, uh, I got it. He's like, it made sense. He said he made everything go. He held everybody accountable, and that was the greatness. The culture of the New York Yankees was Derek Jeter. And he said that's where I was like, okay, no, no, this guy's not overrated. This guy might even be underrated. Yeah, you know, um, what is the book? Was it the Energy Bus where they talk about, like, guys who kind of add energy to the locker room, add energy to the team, like how you want to have those guys? There's a value in that. And then when you you talk about establishing or creating a culture, well, that's part of it. You know, um, who can come and add value? Uh, I think that's the big thing. I've been looking at some of these um, podcasts and stuff, and, and I, I've been hearing more people talk about, I want people to add value to our program, to our organization. So Derek Jeter's value is, that he adds the leadership, the stabilizing force. Yes, the production and the performance is there, but maybe the added value that he brings as a leader enables him to play a lot longer than some guys because he just has that quality. He embodies the culture that you want in the locker room. All right, Buck, let's change gears a little bit from one Michigan man to another. Uh, Tom Brady, I want to go back in the time machine here. 2017, the decision that Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots had to make on what to do with Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember during that time, in the middle of that season, they end up trading Jimmy Garoppolo to the 49ers for the 43rd pick in the 2018 draft. And I'll kind of give you the particulars of what that ended up being in terms of that haul for the for the uh, Patriots because they traded this pick numerous times uh, over the last couple years. And it ended up, you know, using this pick, a combination uh, of this pick to come away with all these players. Christian Sam, linebacker, Damian Harris, running back, Duke Dawson, corner, Joe Juan Williams, corner, Yadney Kajus to tackle, and then Jared Stidham, a quarterback. So after multiple trades involving that pick, that's kind of the haul they came away with. Um, but that decision, Buck, at the time, I don't, I don't think people remember, there was at least a little talk about do they keep Jimmy Garoppolo and maybe move on from Tom Brady, which almost seemed like more of a Patriots thing to do when you look at their history of moving on from guys maybe a little early versus too late and uh, and not letting your emotions and your feelings get involved. But obviously, this is the GOAT. This is, uh, this is Tom Brady here, and they decided to move Jimmy Garoppolo. But uh, somebody from a team got, got to me and just posed the question, you know, in hindsight, Looking at all the factors, A, was it the right move, and B, how would history be different if they had actually traded Brady instead of Garoppolo? Mm, that is a really good one. Um, so here, here's how history would be different. I think the Patriots still win the Super Bowls that they won because I think that the team was good enough. And even though Tom Brady came back in epic fashion to win the game against Atlanta, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would have been well-positioned to be able to orchestrate something similar. I think the difference is the 10 and 3 version of the Patriots that we're seeing now uh, would be a better and more dynamic offense. Uh, It would be better and more dynamic because Jimmy Garoppolo has arm talent and he has more athleticism right now than Tom Brady. And so um, as dysfunctional as the offensive weapons are, uh, they don't have consistent ability to separate. They don't have a big play guy that you can really count on. I do believe Jimmy Garoppolo's improvisational skills, his scrambling ability would generate more big plays in that offense than they're currently generating right now with Tom Brady. 
It's interesting to look at. Now, one other thing you've got to take in mind here, or factor in, I should say, is is the health situation. Jimmy Garoppolo's missed some time. So durability, that's something that Tom Brady's been extremely durable uh, throughout the majority of his career. So that factors in. But go back and look at those three years. So 2017, Tom Brady, 4,577 yards, 32 touchdowns, 8 picks. 2018, 43, 55, 29, and 11. And then this year right now, he's at 34, 37, 19, and 7. So it's it's really tailed off this year. And I think you can look at the offensive line, losing Gronk, a lot of those factors for that you know kind of nosedive here. But still good good statistical years in, in 17 and 18. In 17, as you mentioned, Buck, they have that you know come from behind, down 28-3 win over Atlanta in the Super Bowl. That's the one I would maybe say, okay, now there was some Tom Brady magic involved there. Uh, does Jimmy G... You know, does he pull that one out? I'll put at least a question mark on that one. Uh, They lose Mm -hmm. to Philly in 2018, so that doesn't change. I won't think that changes with with Jimmy. 2019, this last Super Bowl, they beat the Rams in really a defensive battle, low-scoring game. So I I would say Jimmy Garoppolo probably wins you that football game. Um, But, man, you look at Jimmy on pace right now this year. He's on pace for for 3,994 yards, 31 touchdowns, 14 picks. So, you know, maybe, you know, I think the turnovers might be a little bit elevated with Garoppolo versus Brady, but you mentioned his ability to kind of extend plays and create. Um, there's that. And, and look, this is, we're talking about 17, 18, 19. If they decided to keep Garoppolo, what does that difference mean for them from this going forward for the next, you know, six, seven years, you know, versus Brady, who's going to be, a, you know, he's not going to play through that length of time. No, I think they're better positioned if Jimmy Garoppolo is – the quarterback, and I'm sure that Bill Belichick probably had that in mind. And so when it came to that decision where Robert Kraft urged him to get Jimmy Garoppolo out the building, he knew that it set back the franchise, and he's still trying to work on a backup plan, whether that's Jerry Stidham or somebody else, to be the guy that can succeed Tom Brady. Well, they had the succession plan already in place. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo had played enough. He had won enough. He was very comfortable and familiar. It would have been an easy transition from – Tom Brady to Jimmy Garoppolo for the coaches, um, but it didn't work out. But the whole Tom Brady thing leads me to something that I've heard Tony La Russa, uh, longtime manager, Hall of Fame manager, say. It is better to get rid of a player a year too early than a year too late. And you do wonder yep. if Bill Belichick looks out on the field and says, you know what? We probably should have moved on from Tom Brady last year or maybe even the year before. Uh, rather than having to kind of scratch and claw and fight our way through uh, an offense that's led by a quarterback that is in severe decline. Yeah, I was actually thinking of the movie uh, Point Break, you know, when they when uh, Patrick Swayze, they would go in and rob the <laughs> banks, and I, I don't remember, I think it was like 90 seconds, right? They said they would be in and out in 90 seconds. They never go to the vault because that's too risky. Uh, take all the cash at the front of the bank and then get out of there. And Keanu Reeves famously went at the end of the movie, uh, Patrick Swayze says, let's go to the vault. And Keanu Reeves says, you're breaking your own rules, man. You're breaking your own rules. Like that has <laughs> been the Patriots way of doing business. They have been like uh, that. Uh, that is, you know, this is the only time you ever hear Bill Belichick compared to Patrick Swayze. But they have they have this formula that works. They don't get attached to players, no matter who they are. If it's Richard Seymour, uh, it doesn't matter. Go all the way down the list of guys that they've got rid of early as opposed to too late. Uh, and except for this one exception, you know, this was this is the greatest 
uh, arguably the greatest player of all time in Tom Brady, and they did not want that on their uh, tombstone, that they got rid of Tom Brady while he still had some football left in him, uh, even though you could make the case that the, the Patriot way would have been to stick with Garoppolo and let Brady walk a little bit early. So in this case, they kind of broke their own rule. They absolutely broke their own rule. And I understand that they always talk about exceptions to every rule. But in breaking this rule, they may have hurt their franchise long term because just think of the prospects of Jimmy Garoppolo growing with that defense in place. And look, he's grown tremendously, obviously, with Kyle Shanahan dialing it up. But imagine him, and he's playing with a defense that is on par with that, right? But just imagine him in New England. You're New England who has a young quarterback that's coming to his own with that defense. It actually would allow Bill Belichick to hit the reset button and to play like the 2001, 2003, 2004 Patriots that leaned a little more on that defense while Tom Brady grew from game manager to franchise player. Um, it might have been, look, it might have been a solid or a, a, maybe a better development plan for Jimmy Garoppolo. Not saying that he hasn't developed, but it would have been a way for him to develop without having all the pressure on the franchise and the team could still sustain, could sustain their success. No doubt. It, look, fascinating. I, I would love to know what uh, what everybody else thinks about that. Let us know. Um, what do you think the Patriots made the right room, right move, or the wrong move? Love to get your feedback on that. Uh, all right, Buck. Let's uh, let's get to the uh, the topic of Troy Aikman, who came out recently and said uh, the following here. Let's see. Um, uh, it's something I guess I'll always uh, somewhat entertain talking about taking over a team as a general manager. I've had uh, a chance to talk with John Elway in previous years. I've visited with John Lynch and the decision that he made to take that job in San Francisco. And I've said many, many times, I still believe there is another frontier for me. Maybe there's not, but I believe that there is. And I think that might very well be it. It's something that I would think would be very challenging. I'd be giving up to a lot to leave the job that I have to take on a role like that. It's an all-consuming job. I certainly recognize that, but I think the challenge would make it worthwhile. Um, so specifically, Troy Aikman, Buck, how do you think that would go? And then kind of a bigger picture, kind of this uh, you know, non-traditional way, not guys that, that kind of came up the scouting route, um, but what we've seen with John Elway and John Lynch making that leap uh, into that ultimate decision-maker role as a general manager. Well, the one thing I would say about uh, Troy Aikman, anyone who's been around him, anyone who talks to people that have been around him, he's a very detailed, very meticulous and calculated leader, planner, preparer, and worker. Uh, I think he could work with him. And I think in all cases that we've seen it work with former players, it works because they have a supporting cast around them that enables them to kind of do what they're strong at, which may be the evaluation part and have the other guys help them with the team building or whatever. But I think in anything, it is a, a trained deal. So he would have to humble himself to hire people that are smarter than him, more experienced than him until he could grow in the role. But I certainly wouldn't knock him because I do believe Troy Eggman knows what a championship team looks like. I do believe his experience under Jimmy Johnson and all the things that took place in Dallas when they were at their prime with Jimmy Johnson, I think those experiences would help them. So I wouldn't knock him uh, for doing it. I just think he would have to kind of learn on the fly and kind of understand how to embrace the process. 
I agree with you. I actually think he'd be really good. Uh, and you hit the points. You know, to me, you've got to hire your weaknesses. Okay, so the areas and and some of the evaluation stuff. Make sure you have somebody with experience in that in that role that can help guide you as you as you're learning as you go. Um, somebody that can help you on the financial side with the salary cap. And every organization has those people in place. You just got to make sure you get the right ones. But we say when you're hiring a head coach, you know, offense, defense. Is it scheme? No, look, the best coaches, really, when it comes down to it, they're great leaders. And, and I think you could say the mm-hmm. same for general managers. You start with having that, um, you know, that leadership style persona that permeates through the whole organization. I think Troy Aikman, with his um, kind of seriousness, competitiveness, um, intelligence, like all those things, I think, would play well as, as the head of an organization. Just make sure you hire your weaknesses and, and learn as you go. And the biggest thing is you've got to be void of ego. Um, you can't walk in there and think I'm Troy Aikman, three-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, you know, listen to me, and then we're off and running. No, you've got to be humble enough to to listen. And I think that's one of the, the strengths of a guy like Ozzie Newsom. And Ozzie was different than Elway uh, and John Lynch. Ozzie was an assistant coach. Ozzie had a job in the scouting department before he became the ultimate decision maker there uh, for the Ravens. So he came up, you know, and got that experience and humbled himself. Um, and I think that humility has served Ozzie, served him well for a very long time and two Super Bowl winners that he built and really built a, what potentially could be a, a third Super Bowl team there in Baltimore this year. So um, I actually I actually think this could work, and I, I think sometimes we get carried away with um, – you know, maybe experience a little bit more than we should over somebody that can be a great leader, somebody that can build a coalition of, of, uh, of folks that can make good decisions. You know, it's funny. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but Ozzy worked me out when I was coming out. Ozzy flew down. It was Ozzy, Mike Lombardi, Bill Belichick. They came and worked me out uh, a couple weeks before the draft. And Ozzy was uh, like you and I. He was kind of like – at the regional level, he was basically running the pro day workout and it was just a private workout with me and him. Mm-hmm. He's throwing golf balls and lacrosse balls at me, just trying to check my hand eye coordination. <laughs> but I, I think the thing that I respected, obviously like, because I wanted to follow in his footsteps, like as a former player, kind of make your way. Ozzy did it at every level. And he really learned the ins and outs of not only being an evaluator, but of building a team and, because he occupied roles, not only on the field, but in the front office as a coach, then a scout, then an executive, and worked his way up, I feel like he was really prepared for when he got it. And I think uh, Troy Aikman certainly can't come in and do those things, but what Troy Aikman can do is take his experience, surround him with the guys that can kind of help him with his weaknesses or his inexperience, and then talk about Here's how I want this organization to feel like. Here's what we want to be about. Here's what I want to see. Now, who can help me make this vision come to light? Hire those guys that can help him do it. Pay them a lot so they'll be around for a while. That's how you have to go about doing it. And no doubt. Um, it's it's uh, it's something I think could really work here. And I, I hope Troy Aikman does it. He's, look, he's fantastic in the booth, but I would love to see him get that opportunity to see what he can do with it. I have a feeling um, – He's not going to fail. That's not really in his DNA. Uh, Buck, we've got the Senior Bowl reveal show coming uh, Tuesday. Um, that is going to be a fun one. We're going to get a chance to reveal the rosters for this game with our buddy Jim Nagy. Um, and 
when you look at the senior bowl, the importance of it, especially at the quarterback position, we've seen the last couple of years, um, you know, we look at guys like Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield, uh, using that as kind of a launching point. Daniel Jones last year ended up being a top 10 pick. And a guy that we've seen really take off in his first two starts, um, Drew Locke. And you got a chance to, uh, to talk with him. We both did, I guess, uh, if I remember correctly. They are mm-hmm. at the Senior Bowl last year. Um, and here's a little bit of that conversation with uh, the new quarterback there for the Denver Broncos, Drew Locke. So in, in thinking about that basketball experience, how has that basketball experience made you a better quarterback? Yeah, it's been huge. I think as far as when I'm going to recruit a quarterback, hopefully I can recruit quarterbacks, I'm going to look for a guy that's diverse. I'm going to look for a guy that ran up and down a floor. You think about how much athleticism it takes to play at the top level of basketball. It takes, takes quite a bit being able to see the floor, make open field passes in, in tight alleys. It translates to football very well. You've got you to manipulate the pocket. You've got to find the alleyways. You've got to move around a little bit. You can't just be a stick in the mud. And basketball helped me not be that stick in the mud. There you go. You asking uh, Drew Locke there about the multi-sport thing and uh, something we've seen a lot with the quarterbacks, Buck. But uh, down there, I thought he had a good week of practice um, and somebody that kind of almost inexplicably fell to the second round. But, uh, you know, the senior bowl this year, we'll see which of these quarterbacks. We'll find out next week uh, who's in, who's out. But it's got a chance to be a very good group. Yeah, I think he does have a chance to be a very good group. I, th- I think Drew Locke is another one of those guys, DJ, when we talk about the young quarterbacks and the lessons that we've learned. I think with Drew Locke, once again, is is can you put your imagination in play? Can you imagine what Drew Locke can be as a pro if surrounded by the right stuff? Um, I think we could recognize the talent. Uh, he did have outstanding arm talent. We could see the athleticism going all the way back to his basketball background. We saw him during the week of the senior bowl practices pick up an NFL playbook and offense and kind of have a, a, a sense of mastery of it. But we wondered, man, the completion rate at Missouri wasn't great. Um, Some of the big games in the SEC weren't great. But what we're seeing, more teams now are, hey, give us the traits. Now that we know the traits, let's put them in an offense where he can succeed. And you're seeing in in Denver, you're seeing bootleg, uh, quick rhythm passes, things that allow him to get on the edge with his athleticism. And it's done in a way that I wouldn't say it's like uh, elementary. But it's a simplified offense that allows him to play and really lean on his natural talents. Yeah, we, we use the phrase just checking boxes. And, you know, in talking with some of the baseball guys down at the winter meetings, it was interesting because they have the same frustration where you get some scouts that tell you everything that a guy can't do versus what he can do. And we look at boxes with Drew Locke. You start, let's start, let's talk about this one, experience. The guy started 40-plus games in the SEC. Uh, let's talk about uh, the ability, just pure arm strength, arm talent, whatever you want to call it. He's got a tremendous arm. Um, you mentioned the athleticism, talking to him about basketball. He checks that box. You know, the swagger slash energy, the juice that he brings, that that was something you could see, you know, in college. And you've seen that so far early on in his NFL career. So while there's some edges, some rough edges you need to smooth out, man, Buck, that's, that's a lot to start with there uh, when you look at what he does have. Yeah, and I, I think that is the big question. And this is something that Ron Wolf used to always talk about. Uh, and it was passed down everyone that worked in organizations that had guys that had worked up under him. Tell me what a player can do. I don't want to hear about what he can't do. Tell me what he can do, how he can play, what he could be. Let's focus on that as opposed to the easy part of, hey, man, we just keep tearing him down, keep telling everybody what he can't do and he can't play, and then just put him on the backboard. Yep. No, it's, it's, that's the, the right way to do it, man. 
Uh, all right, Nabil, uh, we've got a, I think you got a question for us here from uh, from Apple Podcasts here. Fire away. All right, first question, and it's the only question. My question is about the interview process at the Combine. When a team sits down with the prospect they're interested in, what kind of questions do they ask, and how much weight does the interview have on grading a prospect? All right, Buck, take that one. Fire away. Uh, I think it has an impact because it's the first exposure that you get to the player. And I think it's hard sometimes to overcome that first impression at the, at the, at the combine, uh, the way the process goes, uh, area scouts obviously are most familiar with prospects. Uh, you may see those guys at an all-star game, but when we get to the combine, that's the first time that the coaches and the high level scouts sometimes have been able to get around him. And so when he walks into the room, Uh, Those 15 minutes mean a lot because in actuality, you're only going to spend those 15 minutes at the combine, whatever time you get around them at the pro day and then a private visit. And in that uh, amount of time, you can make a decision on whether you think this guy can fit into your locker room. So that first impression matters a lot uh, because sometimes you can't change the impact of that first impression. Yeah, and and, in the scouting process, like teams are just coming out of meetings right now. A lot of teams have been meeting early in December. And what they're doing is they're you know, kind of putting the profile together on the player, and that's going to come with some question marks, flags, holes, whatever you want to call them. And that's a way in the combine interview to get those things answered. For instance, you know, there's reports this guy had a little bit of a weight problem when he was younger uh, in the program. Like, what, why was that, and what did he do to get it corrected, and should it, is it going to be a concern for us going forward? Well, that's a line of questioning you might have for him once you get a chance to sit down and visit with him there. Uh, maybe there's an off-the-field incident that took place at one point in time. Okay, you got in a fight. Now explain that to us. What happened? Um, it, it's a way to get a lot of those things answered. And then also, it's a way in a brief exposure uh, to put them up on the board, find out kind of where they are mentally, You know how much understanding and knowledge that they have of their scheme, their offense, their defense, and find out what kind of their football intelligence looks like. Um, and that's something you can do at least a little bit of uh, during that period, uh, that 15-minute period there. So uh, that's kind of what goes on there. Anything else you can think of, Buck, that that, uh, that might be of value? No, I mean, I think, I think a lot of it depends on, like, if a guy has a character issue or not. If he doesn't have a character issue, then it's all about ball. And it's all about how he responds to the questions yeah. that you pepper him with uh, related to football. If he does have character issues, is how does he respond to the answers that we already, to the questions that we already know the answers to? Is he truthful? Is he forthcoming? Is he contrite? Uh, has he learned from those negative experiences that may have impacted his, his character? Um, all of those things matter. And the only way that you can really figure out if someone has learned is through that sit down and matching it up with what you hear from everyone who is around him on campus and off campus. No doubt. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, a, again, Bucky mentioned it a minute ago. It's those coaches' first exposure to these guys, too. So that does carry a lot of weight. That first impression does matter. Um, Buck, anything else you want to you wanna get to before we wrap this bad boy up? No, I mean, that, that's it, man. I think it's been a, a really good podcast because what I, what I like is being able to bring in the different perspectives, the conversations with the baseball guys and what you've kind of heard uh, down there in winter meetings. I think that was fascinating. I can't wait to explore and expand on that in future podcasts. 
Uh, I appreciate it. You're going to see a, a lot more of that content. We'll figure out a way to package it up for everybody to uh, get a chance to listen to. I think you will enjoy it. Uh, this has been a fun episode. I want to thank Nabil for all the work he does uh, coordinating the podcast, getting this thing together. Uh, Buck, when are you coming back, man? When are you coming back to the States? Man, I'll be back, I'll be back on Monday. I'll be in studio on Tuesday, ready to rock, ready to share about all the things that I learned about the U.K. Oh, I can't wait. We're going to get it all uh, get it all out there on the pod next week. Thank you guys uh, so much for checking us out. Remember, our video is NFL.com slash MTS video. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, YouTube.com slash NFL podcast. Uh, we've got you covered there. Uh, thanks for listening to the Move Sticks presented by AARP. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.